Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, good morning. How are you guys doing? Right on. Welcome to church. Um, I just want to make one reiteration from the announcements. Um, Our Belong class is today, and that's where we cover membership and more, how to get connected, how to get involved, what do we we offer, our vision, our history, all that kind of stuff, Um, our values, those kind of things. Um, And I just want to say that there is, uh, coming to that class, there's no obligation to become a member um, if you want to just come learn more about our church. Um, that's what that class is for. So I just want to invite you. I'll be presenting in that class. So um, it's after service if you want to come to it. And we do have, again, lunch uh, provided for you and we will watch your kids for you. That's a good thing. Yeah, we got a woohoo out of that. So can you watch my kids more often? All right. All right. We're continuing uh, our series called Builders of the Wall. We've been highlighting what it means. We're actually exploring what it means to be a spirit-filled, life-giving church. I want to lead a church like that, and I want to be part of a church like that. Uh, the Lord highlighted to me um, a few weeks ago, um, I, was, I was just kind of randomly reading in the book of Nehemiah. The Lord highlighted to me, Nehemiah chapter 3, it talks about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, and there's 10 gates mentioned in, um, in Nehemiah chapter 3. And the Lord highlighted to me that um, those gates are a prototype, they're, a, they're um, a picture of what it looks like to be a spirit-filled, life-giving church. So we've been going through those gates, and we've been exploring what it means to have those gates open here in our church. So uh, the first one is uh, the sheep gate. Go ahead and put up that picture, if you would, of uh, Nehemiah. So this is the Jerusalem's walls during um, the days of Nehemiah. And if you read through Nehemiah, there, it goes in the counterclockwise direction is, is the way that they're listed. So the first gate that is mentioned is the sheep gate. A life-giving church needs to provide for the spiritual needs of God's sheep. We are all sheep of his pasture. A life-giving church has to provide spiritual needs of the believers. The very next gate, right? When you start a church, you, you provide a place for the sheep. The very next thing you should do and you need to do is open the fish gate. The fish gate speaks of evangelism. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of people. All right. The next gate after that is the old gate. How many old gates we got up in here? All right. I get an amen. Okay. The old gate speaks of discipleship. Okay. When you get the, the fish gate open, you got new believers coming in. You got to get them around some of the old believers. And that's how the, 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 the fish, the new, the new believers begin to mature. And we want to, we want a church or you, you could say this, this is wisdom's gate. It's the discipleship gate. Okay. And so if you got some gray hair up in here, we need you here at church, all right? Why? Because we got to disciple these fish. Okay, the next gate after that is the valley gate. Life-giving, spirit-filled churches have to provide for uh, the people who are coming through broken places, the low places. This is ministry to the broken, okay? The gate after that, this is one we covered last week, was the dung gate. This is the least glamorous of all the gates, but it's important, and actually, I got a lot of great feedback for last week's message. Again, I was going to just kind of combine that with what I'm going to talk about today and just kind of breeze through it because I'm like, oh, the dung gate. I don't want to talk about that. Um, but we talked about it last week. If you missed that message, go back and listen to it. It is important to have deliverance in our lives, okay? Healing from your yesterday, your yesterday's 
stuff. You got to get it out, right? So that you can step in for, step into what God has for you tomorrow. Amen. Okay. So today we're doing uh, part seven um, and we're going to talk about the fountain gate. All right. I'm going to read this real quick out of Nehemiah. I'll try not to butcher these Hebrew uh, words here. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalun, son of Kolhosa, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors, bolts, and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the pool of Salome by the king's garden as far as the steps going down to the city of David. Okay, what does the fountain gate represent? The fountain gate represents the overflow, the infilling, the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, we're going to talk about that today. By the way, the Pool of Siloam uh, mentioned here um, that was rebuilt, uh, the walls were rebuilt around it in the days of Nehemiah. This is the same place that Jesus, remember when Jesus spit in the mud or spit in the dirt, made mud and rubbed it in the blind person's eyes? How, how would you like that, right? Can you pray for me? Sure. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, some of the things in the scripture like, kind of weird, but they're God. Okay, this is the place where Jesus uh, healed the, the man um, who was blind. This was 475 years after these walls were rebuilt. Uh, but notice the Pool of Siloam, it's near the fountain gate, okay? Jesus said this, John seven thirty-seven through 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Okay, the fountain gate represents the, the manifestation, the activity, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, churches that are alive must have the fountain gate open. We must have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And actually, I love, in the, I, pretty much my sermon was preached during the worship time because we went after this so much. We just talked about the fact that God changes and transforms us and renews us in times of worship, okay? We must have the fountain gate open. Okay, now how many want to have the fountain gate open in your life? How many want to have rivers of living water flowing from your belly? Okay, what, notice he says rivers, that's plural. It's not just a river. There's rivers of living water that will flow from our belly. What is this about? This speaks of the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. This speaks of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But most of all, most of all, this speaks of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that rivers of living water will flow from us. Okay. Um, I have a quick video that I want to show about the, the pool of uh, Salom um, in Jerusalem. And uh, we'll circle back around it. So go ahead and play that video. The pool of Siloam was used for ritual cleansing and purification. And because it was located near the Jewish temple, its waters were used for a special ceremony during the Feast of Tabernacles. Every morning during that special feast, the priest would take a golden vessel down to the pool, fill it with water, and then take it back to the altar amid the joyous shouts of the people. After chanting the Hallel, a special prayer from the Book of Psalms, 
that priest would pour the water out on the west side of the altar, and another priest would pour out a special drink offering of wine on the east side. This ritual was probably to describe Isaiah 12:3, which says, with joy, you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. However, on the eighth and final day of the feast, the ritual was not repeated. And that is exactly when Jesus chose to make a startling announcement. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. John 7, 37 and 38. On the one day of the feast when no water was poured, Jesus stood up and offered the water of life. Okay, the Pool of Siloam. Now, in this video, they actually just unearthed this uh, in 2014. So it's actually, they've only known the location of the exact pool since 2014. But what you'll notice in that video is the water is kind of stale and stagnant in that video. But at the time of Jesus, um, that water was fresh and it was continually being filled with moving water. Okay, so when, the, when Jesus said living water will flow from your belly, that's speaking of not stale, stagnant water. That's speaking of moving water. Um, how many have ever been to Israel here? Been to Jerusalem, all right. Um, not everyone who's been to Jerusalem has done this, but how many have gone through um, uh, Hezekiah's tunnel? Have you gone through there? Okay, that's a pretty neat experience. Um, this is where I found out that I'm claustrophobic. Okay, uh, I've been in caves and stuff, but you know when you go to like Cave of the Winds and places like that, it's kind of open and I feel pretty good. But Hezekiah's Tunnel, I guess Jewish men must have been a little shorter than me in that day because it was not quite enough for me to stand up the whole way. Um, so I'm kind of like this and it's like this, okay? And the, how that had, had been made is Hezekiah was... They were being sieged by some en- enemies. Hezekiah, this is, this is many, many years before, before Christ. Um, they, they, out of the rock, dug a channel to direct water from a spring to go into the city of Jerusalem. And they went from two ends and they met in the middle. And that um, uh, Hezekiah's tunnel, that water that was flowing through there, and still is to this day flowing through there. You can walk through, through the water and panic like I did. No. <laughs> um, But you exit out to the pool of Siloam. You exit out to that area. Um, And I was very relieved to get out um, in that area. But that that at that time, that uh, pool was continually being filled by living waters, by fresh waters, by moving waters, not stagnant. um, Stagnant water, okay? This is a picture of the activity of the fountain gate in our lives. We want to have living waters continually flowing from our lives, Okay? And so we're going to talk about this today. Um, for me, the greatest compliment, I hear different compliments about, we like your church, we came to your church for this reason or that reason. For me, the greatest compliment I could hear for someone coming to City Lights Church is they will say something along these lines. We came and we just felt God's presence. We felt the presence of the Lord at your church, and that's why we're here. That is the greatest compliment I can receive. Um, it's not the sermon, it's not the kids' ministry, it's not the small groups, our outreaches, our media presentation, all that stuff is very important, but more than anything, we long to be a church that's of his presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, not every church that names the name of Jesus 
has, is, is marked by the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to pick on any churches, and maybe it's for different reasons. Maybe, number one, they've just, they don't know. Maybe it's, they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to cultivate that. And I'm not saying we've arrived by any stretch of the imagination. We are continuing to go after this thing because we know this is the place that we're changed. This is the place that we're transformed. This is so important. But maybe they don't know, or maybe, maybe they just don't provide margin You know, service is so tightly scripted. There's no margin for the Holy Spirit to move. And listen, we work really hard around here to prepare. I work hard during the week to prepare a sermon. Greg picks the songs. We we work hard around here to make this service great. We plan, and it's very dialed, and it's detailed. But then we step back and say, okay, God, now you have to fill it. Okay, it's just like when Solomon built the temple. They constructed this beautiful, detailed Building, and then they had to step back and they dedicated it to the Lord and said, Okay, God, now you have to come fill it with your presence. So, how do we do that here? How we do that is we, we do our part, we work hard, we do everything we need to do, but then we say, Okay, Holy Spirit, we want to give you margin. We come to church, you know, on Sunday mornings, Okay, God, what do you want to say today? There's people coming today, there's needs coming today. Would you speak to us today? Would you move today? Would you heal today? Would you set people free today? Okay, that's how we do that. Okay. Um, now, I'm not, again, I'm not picking on other churches because I'm, I'm not speaking of any church in particular, but many churches, they believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Okay? <laughs> okay? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Now listen, we believe in the Bible, but we also believe in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we want to have the activity of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Bible, okay? Um, in fact... I think the case can be made that churches that follow the Holy Spirit adhere more to the scriptures than churches that don't emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay, why? Because the Holy Spirit is God and God would not lead you away from truth. The Holy Spirit is God, he would not lead you away from truth. Um, sometimes spirit-filled churches get a bad rap from truthers, hard, hardcore truthers, you know, um, because it's like, oh, you're just kind of doing whatever you want. No, listen, if you're following the Holy Spirit, you will adhere more to truth because, because God the Holy Spirit is truth, okay? Let me, let me just illustrate this in this uh, message. John 14, 25 through 26, Jesus said, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. Okay, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to call to remembrance the things Jesus has already said to us. He will, he will remind us of the things in Scripture and call to remembrance what Jesus has said to us. Okay, this is why it's so important to know the Word of God, because it gives the Holy Spirit actually a reference point to speak to you. Okay, you want God to, you want God to speak to you more? You want the Holy Spirit to, to speak Rama now words of the Lord to you, one of the ways you do that is by familiarizing yourself with the written word. Okay, it gives him a reference point to speak to us more. Um, I was watching this, this video this last, week, this last week, and how many of the, the rapper Eminem? Do people still listen to Eminem? I don't know. He's kind of old now. now. Marissa's shaking her head. Okay. <laughs> so there's the rapper Eminem, and there was this interview, and I don't know, but people who are good at their their art or whatever, they are obsessively into what they're doing. They don't just like run into it on accident. And Eminem, he said, he's like, I wasn't very good in school. He said, but I, 
memorize the dictionary. He'll get the dictionary out and memorize the words in the dictionary. Why? Because he wants to have a Rolodex of words at his disposal for rhyming, for making rhymes, for making raps. Okay? It's the same way with, with the Holy Spirit. When we get into the word and we digest it and we get it in us, it's stored up in us, but the Holy Spirit calls those things to remembrance. And he's more likely and will speak to you um, in deeper ways when we are familiar with his word. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will lead you to truth. Why? Because he is the spirit of truth. If you're following the Holy Spirit, you're more likely to walk in truth. Okay. Following the Holy Spirit and being a Holy Spirit church is not following our whims. We're not just like unhinged following our whims. No, we're following God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. Um, let me read this other scripture here. John 16, 13 through 14. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Okay. Here's my point. The Holy Spirit will lead you to truth because he is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus has said. And the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Okay? I say all that to say that if you're a spirit-filled church, you're not going off the rails. Jesus is more glorified, and the word of the Lord will run swiftly and be glorified. All right? Um, now, having said that, I want to illustrate how we need the Holy Spirit in tandem with the word. Okay? This book was never meant to be read or interpreted without the person of the Holy Spirit. You can, actually, you can actually at times take the written word of God and hurt people with it if it's taken out of context or in the, in the wrong time and place. Um, here's an example of that. Um, there are those people who may be out of zeal and they're trying to serve the Lord and whatever, but maybe they'll stand on a tree, uh, street corner and, and say, you know, judgment is coming. They'll hold up signs and God's condemning, you know, judgment's coming and you're all a bunch of sinners. Um, ask them, how many, how many people have you led to the Lord? Because I, I would imagine it's, it's not that many. Because what are they doing? They're trumpeting condemnation. But what you want to do is you want to you um, you have the word of God and the spirit of God in tandem. That's where people's hearts are actually changed. You're not winning any friends and you're not winning people to Jesus that way. Okay. So <clears throat> we need them in tandem together. Um, I've heard it said, li- I, you've heard it said like this, because I've said it here at church a few times. If you have, if you're a church and you have all word, but no spirit, you will dry up. If you have all spirit, but no word, you will blow up. <laughs> but if you have the word and the spirit, we will all grow up. All right? And we want to grow up into the things of God. We want to have the word and the spirit in operation in our lives. Okay. Uh, let me show you this out of the Bible. Second um, Corinthians 3, 6 says this. He has made us competent ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, Paul is comparing the letter of the law, the 10 commandments and subsequent 600 and some odd, 30 some odd other commandments. He's comparing the letter of the law to being in a life giving relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example of this. The law says, Thou shalt not steal. But when the Holy Spirit transforms your heart, you want to walk in love, and love doesn't steal. Right? What happened? God the Holy Spirit 
took the written law, written on tablets of stone, and he wrote it on a tablet of your heart. He made that come alive to your heart, okay? Let me give you another example. The law says, you shall not commit adultery. But when the Holy Spirit transforms your heart, you want to honor your spouse. You don't want to commit adultery. You want to honor your spouse. Okay, what happened? What does the Holy Spirit do? He took the written code, written on tablets of stone, and he wrote it on the tablet of your heart. This is called transformation. Okay, we want to be a church that is absolutely 100% come as you are. But we also want to absolutely 100% be a church that says, now get transformed and now be changed and now be renewed in your thinking. Okay, we don't want to just come as we are and then stay as we are. We want to come as we are and then let the Holy Spirit change us and transform us and get the word of God in us to renew our minds. Amen? Okay, so it's not... What's, what happens is it's not an outside in change. That's what the law was trying to do. There was this external, here are the rules. It's an inside out change called grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. The law says do, do, do. And we all know what we do with do, do. We talked about that last week at the Durngate, okay? The law says do, do, do. To be in union with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit says be transformed, then be, be, be. Okay, be transformed, be transformed in your thinking, be transformed in your life, and then manifest Jesus. And it's not hard to do because you just go about your life walking in him. You're not trying to be good. You're not gritting your teeth and trying to be good. You're manifesting Jesus because he changed and transformed you. Amen. Okay. See, if you just have, if we, if we're a church of just the word without the Holy Spirit, there's a tendency to drift towards legalism. And the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Okay. Second Corinthians 3.17 says this. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why do we want to be a, a church of, of the Holy Spirit, of, of God's presence? Because we want freedom. We want to live free. We want to be free. We want to think free. We want to be free. Okay. Um, Verse 18, the very next verse, where the spirit of the Lord is there is free in verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Um, other translations say, and we all with un- who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, uh, reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Okay, this is a picture of those intimate times of praise and worship. This can happen at your home. Of course, we want this to happen here. This is where the Lord comes and changes and transforms us. It's as if we're reflecting back the glory of the Lord, and as this happens, he changes and transforms us. I don't want to stay the same. That's why I want God's presence in my life. Okay? Um, Okay. This is why we place such a high emphasis on encounter with the Holy Spirit. Passionate praise and worship, maybe this looks fun. Passionate praise and worship, yes, it's fun. Um, But what's happening in the heart is much deeper than just having a sing-along. Okay, I don't want to have a church where we just sing songs about God. Um, The next level would be singing songs to God. But the third level, and actually, um, Evan, you you alluded to this. Um, The third level of that would be singing songs with God where his presence is engaging, and there, there is a, there is a um, cry back and forth between, between God and us, and we're, we're interacting with him in, in worship. Listen, if you're here, and you're just in praise and worship, and you're just like this, man, you are missing out on 
an amazing meal that will change and transform you. I just encourage you, give yourself, give yourself to this thing. Give yourself to worship. Give yourself to letting the Holy Spirit transform your heart with his glory. Okay. Um, And I thought of this this morning. I want to say this. Um, So passionate praise and worship. Um, The word, one of the words for praise in the Old Testament is, is the word hallel. Okay. It means praise. And I was looking at the, the uh, definition of this word, and it means this, of sound, but usually of color. Of sound, but usually of color. In other words, there's actually an aesthetic, um, an aesthetic appearance that's involved with halal. It's not just like we sing songs with our eyes closed, but there's actually an environment, and that's one of the reasons why we want to create an environment and it's, so it's of sound and usually of color, okay? Um, it actually says in, in the translation as well, or the definition, to rave. How many have ever been to rave? Don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> rave has lots of colors and drugs, you know. Okay. We want color minus the drugs up in here, okay? But let me give you an illustration. It matters how things... It doesn't matter how... Now, here's, here's the thing. The pendulum could go too far one direction, and we're like shining laser lights in your eyes, and then it's just a show, right? We don't want it to just be a show. We want it to be an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. But the aesthetic does matter. It does matter that, that things are done well. Um, and I'll give you an example of this. How many have ever gone on a romantic date with your spouse? Okay, have you? Okay. When you do that, you don't go to a place with fluorescent lights, and some jerk sitting right next to you who's loud or whatever, wearing a wife beater. No, you want to go to a nice place. <laughs> so I say that to say, it's not just about the meal. It's also about the aesthetic of things, okay? Candles are romantic, right? Why? Because they hide wrinkles and stuff like that, okay? <laughs> Candles are kind to, you know, unlike fluorescent lights, they expose everything. Okay, so... Praise and worship. We want it to be passionate. We want it to be fun. We don't want it to be just a show, though. Okay? We want it, we want it to be a real encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, as you familiarize yourself with, with the Holy Spirit, with the anointing, some songs, you can listen to the radio, some songs you're like, wow, there's an anointing on this song. And then some songs come on and you're like, this song has no anointing on it. I'm just saying that. I'm not going to name songs or whatever. But some songs have zero anointing on them, okay? We want to respect the anointing, and we want to lead and play songs and worship that changes and transforms us. Okay, we are changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit in times of praise and worship. Okay, we need to have the fountain gate wide open here at this church. We need the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not saying we've arrived, but we, that's the direction we want to go, and that's the direction I want to encourage you to come with us. Amen? Okay. <clears throat> All right, what else does he do? He endows us with power. Okay, I want to just spend the last few minutes talking about power. We talked about the power to change already. Holy Spirit gives us the power to change. He gives us power to be transformed. We talked about that already. But I want to talk about power to bring life into situations all around us. Jesus never intended his church to be powerless. Okay, Jesus never intended the church to be powerless. Jesus said he wanted a church that the gates of hell would not prevail against. Okay, and in order to, um, to 
prevail against the powers of darkness, we need to be an empowered church, uh, empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we need power. Everyone say power. Greg says powerful. Powerful. I don't know how he says it. Okay. Yeah, he says it different. Like aluminum. Come on, it's aluminum. We love Greg. But he speaks with a funny accent. Okay. Okay. We want to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to prevail against the powers of darkness. Okay. Jesus did not just want a church that's powerless. He wanted a church that's powerful. Okay. Um, I'm going to read Acts chapter 1 through 9. Um, and we'll get to the point here. Uh, it says this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Okay. In Matthew 28, Jesus gave him the great commission, go, go into all the world, preach the gospel. But then right before Jesus sends to heaven, he says, don't go yet. I want you to wait. Okay. Why? Because he knew if they went out without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they would fail at what they were supposed to do. Okay. The the great commission and serving God is impossible without God. Okay. Miracles, healing, uh, uh, miracles of healing and transformation or anything God does, it's impossible without God. This is why we need, we don't want to just go. We want to go with the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse five, for my, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then he gathered, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken uh, after, the, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Okay, I want to talk about verse 8 a little bit. Verse 8, you will receive power. I want to talk about that word power. All right, the word power is uh, in uh, Strong's 1411. It's the word dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. Dunamis. It means miraculous power, might, or strength. You will receive power miraculous power, might, or strength in a few days from now, okay? This is the same root word where we get words like dynamite. Okay, dynamite has its root in dunamis or dynamic or dynamo, okay? Those words have their root in dunamis, okay? Okay, how many want to go to a church and be part of a church that has dynamic power? How many want to flow in dynamic power, rivers of living water flowing from your belly, okay? Okay, today I want to give you a key to releasing the Holy Spirit's power in your life. I've preached on the Holy Spirit a lot here at this church, and to be honest, this was a really busy week for me, and I was tempted to hit copy and paste. Just, just confessing that, you know, from like three years ago, a message that I preached. But I thought, if I'm preaching on the new life-giving experience of the Holy Spirit, I should probably come up with something new here. So, okay. So I want to talk about 
releasing the Holy Spirit's power. So this is predicated on some of the messages I've already preached. So this is predicated on having been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't, if you've never been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, or maybe you don't, you're not sure if you have. Um, come up front. We're gonna have prayer counselors up front afterwards. Um, prayer ministry team, I should say. Ministry team will be up here afterwards and say, "Hey, I don't know if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or maybe I." or I haven't, and I want to receive that. We'll have people come and pray for you uh, after service. Uh, So it's predicated on you being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's predicated on, number two, having times of continual feeling. So even though we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have to have those times of continual feeling. Galatians 5.18 talks about that. And then the third thing is it's predicated on walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you ever see military personnel walking together, they walk in step at the same time, okay? So, having said that, I want to talk about the trigger to releasing God's power in our lives. Okay, let's look at uh, Acts 1.8 again. It says, but you will receive dunamis power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, the, the trigger here that I want to highlight today is the word witnesses, okay? The word witness is the Greek word martus. Everyone say martus. Okay. It means a witness literally, judicially, or figuratively, by analogy, a martyr. That's not good news, is it? Wait, Pastor Kurt, are you telling me that in order, you all know what a martyr is. That's someone who dies for their faith. Pastor Kurt, are you telling me that in order to release God's power, I have to become a martyr? Well, hopefully not literally, although that's not off the table, Okay. Listen, a lot of people say they would die for their faith. But listen, if, you, if, if you'll die for your faith, then for Pete's sake, live for it. <laughs> we boast like, I'll die for God. Live for him then, okay? All right. It, are you going to have to die in order to, to release his, his power? No. Um, possibly, but not literally. And I, I want to just talk about this. I want to talk about being living sacrifices, okay? Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, okay, that's important, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, okay? The renewed mind knows the will of God. I don't like prayers that are like, God, if it be thy will, do this. Okay? The renewed mind knows the will of God because the renewed mind went to scripture and saw how Jesus lived his life and now declares what the goodness of God looks like. Okay? The goodness of God does not look like cancer. Okay? That, wasn't a, that was a good amen, but not good enough. The, the will of God for anyone's life is not cancer. Okay? Come on. Okay, so... The renewed mind knows the will of God, declares the will of God, releases the will of God. Okay, here's my point. As we come before the Lord as living sacrifices, as we yield ourselves to the person of the Holy Spirit, inevitably we will flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. We all want the power, but do we want to follow the person? Okay, as we yield ourselves, as we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him, Yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. His power will flow through you. You will be my witnesses. You will be my martyrs. Those who have laid down their lives. Those who are living sacrifices for me daily. Let me give you kind of a 
a practical application of this, how this might look. Let's say you're at Lowe's. I like Lowe's. I like, I don't know. I just like being at Lowe's. I like buying things at Lowe's more than I like using those things at home. <laughs> I enjoy buying tools and stuff. And then I get home, I'm like, I don't really want to do that, you know. <laughs> but I have a vision for it. So let's suppose you're at Lowe's. Um, and you might sense the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to go tell that person I love them. Or I want you to go pray for that person. They, they're walking with a cane or whatever it is. You might say, yeah, God, but that could be embarrassing. And then the Lord might respond and say something like this. Dead people don't get embarrassed. <laughs> Dead people don't get embarrassed. Why? Have you died to yourself? Have you denied yourself, taken up your cross, and followed Jesus? Dead people don't get embarrassed. In fact, the devil can't kill a dead man. The devil can't kill a dead woman. If we've denied ourselves and we're following Jesus, the enemy doesn't have a foothold in our lives, okay? This is one of the keys to the, releasing the anointing in your life, is being his witnesses, being his, those who have become living sacrifices that are not conformed to the pattern of this world. Listen, the world's pattern is always changing And if you're conforming yourself to that pattern and not to what the word of God says, you're not a good candidate for the Holy Spirit to be flowing and his anointing to be flowing through, okay? Okay, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. Be that living sacrifice, okay? Now, I want to say one other thing. And the worship team is coming back up. Is that good? Come on back up here, guys. Uh, And ministry team, if you would come down front as well. We're going to go back into worship um, a little bit here. And... um, I want to say, if you need prayer for anything here today, these people are going to be up here and would love to minister to you. Um, but especially those of you who put your faith and trust in the Lord today, come, come get prayer. We, we want to connect with you. Um, but anything going on in your life. I want to say this. This is not a work of the flesh that we're conjuring up, you know, obedience to God. It's a work of grace. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? But there's still that part of us that, that needs to yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say, it's not a dirty word, but a lot of people think it is obedience. Okay, obedience is not a dirty word. It's a good word, okay? But we want the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us. Oftentimes we have to take a risk. We have to step out and do something that's outside of our comfort zone. Your spiritual growth, oftentimes, is just outside of your comfort zone. Here's your comfort zone. Here's your spiritual growth, just outside of your comfort zone, okay? And I just want to encourage you guys today, step outside of that comfort zone as the Holy Spirit leads you, as you're yielding to him, and you're going to see his power flow through you. You're going to see people healed, people touched, people ministered to. Amen? Okay, why don't you guys stand to your feet? Someone has said it like this. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Oftentimes, faith is spelled by initiating a risk, taking a risk with the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, life is on the other side of that risk. And so my encouragement to you today is to step out and even if it's just telling someone Jesus loves you, that is a, that is a step when Holy Spirit prompts your heart. Amen. Okay, I'm going to pray. We're going to go back into worship. You need prayer for anything. And if I could have some of the pastors uh, come up front, that would be amazing. 
Um, we want to make sure we have plenty of people up here. Um, yeah, Father, we love you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the life-giving power and a transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just thank you that we can't do this on our own. We can't even change ourselves, God, but we can yield ourselves to you, Lord. As we yield ourselves in times of praise and worship, as we come into your presence, God, you encounter us, you change us, you transform us, Lord. And I pray, God, for the synergy of that, that intersection of the word of God and the spirit of God, that that's where true transformation happens in our lives, Lord. So, God, we just say, yes, we yield ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, take your people. Thank you for the vision you have for your people. Would you help us, God, to grow in the anointing, to help us grow in the power of God, to help us grow in the dunamis power that you want to release through your bride, the church, Lord. So God, we just love you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100, 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us and we hope you have a blessed week.